Hey, good morning. Taking a look at money and what it means to you and to me. Uh, the stock market, just before the 4th of July in that shortened week, I believe they closed out with a record high, somewhere well over the 17,000-point mark. Today, down um, as much as 100, down uh, probably 100 and some change from that all-time high. Jeff Reeves writes at MarketWatch, seven signs a 10%-plus drop may be coming for stocks. And he joins me this morning here on WCCO. Jeff, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Glad to have this chance to talk with you. Let me ask this question first of all, though. Before we start to look at some of these signs that this could be on the way here, a 10%-plus drop, um, would that be a bad thing? I mean, let's say we went from the high at you know 17000 and some change. And it dropped. It would be somewhere in that uh, fifteen-five range, correct? Yeah, I mean, so so the dirty little secret about financial media is that most Americans, you know, they're in this for the long haul. You got your four hundred one k plan, and and frankly, most people are, are what we call averaging in uh, across their paychecks, right? You don't buy all of your all of your four hundred one k in January and hold it forever. You buy at different points across the year. So, mm-hmm. um, for for the average person out there who, who's just investing for the long haul, it's it's really not that big of a deal. I mean, again, I do think that a correction is likely coming. If you're a short term trader, maybe you prepare for that. But I do believe that the longer term trend is soundly higher, and that's been true for decades, right? I mean, even after the financial crisis, we've seen a rebound. Stocks always tend to go higher over time. Uh, I think that this is a concern for people with a short-term mentality, but for your typical listener out there with a 401k, um, it's just, you know, what they like to call the pause that refreshes. We run up to the quick spot. <laughs> It doesn't go up forever, right? It doesn't go up forever. So well, yeah, the, I think the, that we're about due for a drop. There's some people in there. I suppose that's profit-taking, correct? Yeah, and, you know, that's that's what, you know, kind of the, the regular retail investors, we like to call them, should realize is that there's a lot of people who make a lot of money or at least try to make a lot of money um, making profits quickly and, and turning things over. With a 30% up year in 2013 for the S&P, and we added probably another 6% uh, at the beginning of this year, there's just some stocks that need to be sold, some money that needs to be harvested at hedge funds and institutional managers. So uh, I wouldn't get too, caught too too much in the volatility if you're, if you're a small-time investor. But I do think that uh, all of that being said as a preface, I do think that we may be in store for, for some more big drops across the summer. Let's talk about some of these um, these signs, though, because uh, earnings is one of the things you, you report on. Earnings looking a little shaky, and that seems to make some sense. That should probably be kind of a given. If earnings are not good, um, then things need to change there, Correct. Yeah, I mean, one of the um, one of the things that's been going on for stocks for a while now is that we call it valuation, the kind of amount you're, you're willing to pay for earnings. Uh, and the stock market is actually expensive now. People are paying a premium for earnings because the earnings growth hasn't been that great, but the earnings or, or the momentum for the stock market has been great. Um, so there seems to be a little bit of a disconnect between corporate profits and, and the run-up in stocks. Um, and, and I do think that we're seeing a little bit of waning uh, earnings momentum. We saw a bad Q1. A lot of people blame the weather, but we're seeing kind of a soft Q2 also. So, uh, and I think that eventually um, investors are going to demand that their companies, they have earnings, they have profits to back up this run-up in, in shares. And I think there's just too much distance between the two right now. Yeah, you know, that was the thing. We all talked about so many different things, whether it was um, just the economy in general, hiring along the way. When we were looking at the really cold temps, and especially where we lived here, the winter that wouldn't let go. Uh, but the, when they'll change to warmer weather, it's not making that significant of a difference. 
Yeah, I mean, the important thing to remember is that this is, that it, it's, it's, a not, it's not a zero-sum game where you can just move all the money from Q1 into Q2. Some of that money that was going to be spent just wasn't spent and isn't coming back. Uh, and actually, you know, the IMF cut its forecast for the U.S. Uh, by almost a full percentage point, by 0.8 percentage points, uh, because the harsh winter gutted a lot of spending in Q1 that they don't expect to come back. So I think people need to realize that it's not as simple as people just delaying sales and then spending again in Q2. Some of that money is just gone. Talking with Jeff Reeves here, who writes at Market Watch uh, through the Wall Street Journal, we're taking a look at a couple of stories. Tell me about the idea of price inflation, but not wage inflation. Where, um, because we, we had heard this that even though hiring has has been improving, people aren't making a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, so uh, the productivity has been a big driver of the economy for the for the last couple of years. Uh, productivity has increased, but not wages. Um, and we're, we've, that's been fine because the um, consumer price index, the kind of a Bureau of Labor Statistics measure of prices, really hasn't budged. It's been running really low. So if your wages aren't going up, but food and, and energy, it, nothing is really costing that much more. You can still get an Apple iPad for super cheap. Uh, it's not that big of a deal to you. But we've seen kind of an uptick, uptick across the board in a lot of things, not just food prices, which I'm sure your listeners can relate to by going to the grocery store and seeing how much more produce and meat costs. But also, like, health care uh, expenses significantly have risen. Uh, we thought Obamacare was going to kind of put a lid on that, but not too much. Um, so it's very important to make sure that as prices rise, wages keep, wages keep pace with that. Um, and I think that that's a, a pretty bad spot to be in, right, because if these corporations are looking to try to squeeze more profits out of their workforce and more productivity, they're not really incented to increase wages. Um, so I think that that is a significant risk if we continue to see it inflation run at a 2% or higher rate for the, for the rest of the year if, if wages can't keep up with that. Interest rates ever going to change? <laughs> I mean, are they ever going to change? Well, I'm, I'm being facetious here a little bit, Jeff, but uh, you know, of course, they, but I mean, it's like uh, we had this conversation recently. Why put any money in any kind of savings when you can have it out there working for you in some other fashion? Yeah, I mean, um, the, the the most the, one of the most surprising things this week, I think, is that the the Fed minutes that we did get a look at said that QE is going to end in October, and they put a, a hard cap on that. And while there there's no certainty of when interest rates are ever going to rise, I'll point again back to that two percent inflation number. That's actually a benchmark for the Fed. They don't like it to go much higher than that. There's actually a report out there that says full employment for the U.S. economy right now is an unemployment rate of about five point eight percent. There's always some slack in the labor force, right? So if we're at six point one percent now, we get to five. 5.8%. We're technically around full employment, and we're uh, at or above the Fed's inflation level, uh, and that, that seems to add up to rate to a rate hike. You got them tightening with QE going off uh, altogether in, in October, according to the latest minutes. I think that there's, there's a, a good chance that we'll see interest rates rise uh, formally next year, but the important thing for investors to remember is that rates can still go up or down even without a change uh, from the FOMC that changes that actual Fed funds rate. Right? We saw it rise a lot from the 2011 lows up until the end of last year, where the 10-year T-note almost at 3%. It's down to 25 now. It could theoretically rise again to 3% on the 10-year, which is 50 basis points with no action from the Fed whatsoever. So I think it's important to remember that the, the headline interest rates that we talk about that, that are effectively zero, we can still see rates rise otherwise. And I think we may uh, with the end of QE and as we approach this kind of full employment and inflation metric that, that, that the Fed is, is watching so closely. Jeff, I saw this. And I don't remember if it was Sunday morning's paper. I it was reprinted from the New York Times. Maybe I saw it Monday morning. That was the, uh, the commentary from Neil Irwin about the everything bubble. And, and, and we were chatting about the everything bubble where, in other words, everything seems to be up high in terms of price, whether it's farmland or um, uh, even, you know, the emerging markets. Uh, these things are all being, you know, selling at higher prices. 
yet these all these prices then when the does the bubble burst all the way across yeah, I mean, and that's a, the, the million-dollar question. Someone's hopefully going to make a lot of money doing this, uh, figuring out exactly what, what assets are going to stick and which ones are going to fall behind. But, again, if you go back to the idea of valuation, it's, it's investors looking for a place to park their cash because, as you said earlier, uh, there's, there's really no reason to put it in an interest-bearing asset like a CD that gives you 1% or less. So investors have put money literally everywhere else. They've put them into junk bonds. they put them into private placement uh, REITs. they put them into stocks. they put them into emerging markets. they put them everywhere. Uh, and that means that there's all this money that's been flowing around uh, to these asset classes. Um, the question is, if there becomes a, a relatively safe place that actually has a reasonable valuation, does the money move there? Can it move there uh, and then not bid that one up into a bubble too? We don't know. I mean, the IPO market has been red hot. Um, the stock market has been red hot. Uh, and, and in a situation like this, it's very important, I think, for people to remember that things do not go up forever. And we've seen across the board, um, as Neil Irwin said, it, it's almost an everything bubble. There's there's not a lot of asset classes that aren't rising right now. And, and I think that should raise some red flags with people. Again, I, I'm not saying that we're going to crash and burn. Uh, but again, back to the idea of a, of a 10% correction in the short term, I think that it's natural for some of these valuations to correct themselves. I, 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 I'm not bearish on the long term. I think that we are digging out of our hole after the financial crisis. But I think it's important to have some perspective that everything cannot go up forever. And, and it, it's prudent if you have a kind of short-term horizon to protect yourself. You know, I was recently reading again in the news a story about about um, somebody who started a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, maybe this just goes to people looking for something to invest in. On he was going to make a potato salad. Did you see this story? And he, if he uh, it's like fifty grand he's got so far. Yeah, yeah. All he wanted was to make a potato salad, and then he had all these stretch goals in there. Well, I'm thinking I might as well try to uh, start a Kickstarter campaign for the John Hines Retirement Fund. And see if people, because I'll bet there'd be a number of people who would line up to contribute to that just to get me to go home. So that's, <laughs> that's my next thought. The idea of a Kickstarter campaign. Hey, Jeff, always a pleasure when we have a chance to chat with you. And I appreciate your writing at MarketWatch. People can read this whole thing, too, if they go to MarketWatch.com. The uh, 10% plus drop, seven signs that may be headed our way. You have a great afternoon, sir. Thanks, John. Take care.